What's up, everybody? This, this is the Black Financial Initiative podcast, you know, with Larry, Eric, and Terrence. Uh, it's that time of year again. You know, this is March right now. We're in the heat of it. This is tax season. And with that, we got a special guest today. So I kick it to Larry to introduce him. All right. We got we got Bradford Moy again. Really excited to have him here again. Uh, last time, Bradford's actually our first, I guess, guest other than our wives. So um, we're happy to have him back again. He's a he's a CPA. He's a, an attorney. He has his own company. It's called Bradford C. Moy PLLC. Bradford, how you doing this morning? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. How y'all doing today? Fantastic, good. man. Doing good, man. Um, just real quick, man. Um, last time, like I said, Bradford was our first guest. So we're going to I think this time we're going to do a little better. We've never had a guest before Bradford. So I think we're going to have a little smoother <laughs> conversation this time. So. Um, <laughs> I think we were a little we were a little tense last time because our first guest. So uh, happy to have him back. Happy to be back, man. No, just just happy to be back. Last time it, it felt smooth to me last time. So yeah, man. I, uh... <laughs> yeah, Larry, stop knocking us. <laughs> a whole new year, so better improvement and everything. And um, and if you haven't listened to it, uh, the the first two episodes, of Bradford, please do because please do. um, this and to me the second episode to me still holds one of my favorite episodes we've done so far. Just so much knowledge. <sighs> was dropped on that in that episode. Just a little background. So Bradford's parents and my mom, they all went to Stephen F. Austin together. So that's how I, I know Bradford. Him, him, his mom and my mom are still really good friends. We used to go to me and my family used to go to visit him and his family in Houston when I was growing up. And one of one of my favorite songs, actually Bradford probably doesn't remember this, but one of my favorite songs I actually learned while I was in Houston visiting them. George um, Clinton. George Clinton's my favorite artist. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> hey, hey, anybody knows me knows George Clinton's my favorite artist. George Clinton from Good Burger, from Good Burger. Yeah, from I'm, the Good Burger I'm, soundtrack. I remember, I remember. I remember. I remember that. But, but y'all didn't introduce me to George Clinton. Y'all introduced me to um, my last two dollars by um, with a Johnny Taylor. I was about to say, well, I was about to pull your, your card away if you didn't get that name. <laughs> Yeah, we were in Houston, man, and, and it came on, I guess it came on the radio, it must have came on the radio a couple of times. This had to have been maybe early 2000s, late 90s, I can't remember now, but, um, and I've been jamming that song ever since, so I got I to thank you for putting me on that song. All good, all good. Yeah, they play that regular rotation down here. That's, that's on the radio every day. You, you just got to listen long enough. <laughs> but um, I guess uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and get into it, Terrence. I guess uh, you, have the, you have the first question. Yeah, yeah. So first thing is, Bradford, thank you for coming on and joining us for another time. Can you briefly tell us about your business? Just remind the people who, who didn't tune in for the first episode. Definitely, definitely. So uh, as, as you've already said, or it's already been stated, I'm a CPA and also an attorney. Um, my, my business is pretty much a full service, one stop shop for anybody's tax, uh, accounting, and uh, business-related legal needs. I uh, do a large bulk of my practices in tax return preparation, but another arm of that, significant arm of that practice is also um, assisting people with IRS representation, audits, as well as tax planning for your current tax situation and in your future, uh, all the way to retirement and until you know the time of your passing. Uh, that also includes things uh, also maybe known as estate planning, assisting wills, uh, trusts, and also as far as the legal side and business side, accounting, um, advising on transactions, performing due diligence, you know, uh, also as well as if need be bookkeeping, 
to a certain degree for clients that require those, those type of services. And also uh, I spent a lot of time uh, drafting a lot of contracts, reviewing a lot of contracts for clients as well. So I pretty much try to offer that, be that one-stop solution when it comes to anything, numbers and, and or the law, where those two areas intersect. So I would really consider myself more of a business lawyer with a specialty in the field of tax. Okay. That's, that's okay. a lot. Y'all hear that? The jack of all trades. Right. You can say you can hit them up for anything. Definitely. Definitely. Oh, no. I was just going to say, yeah, no. Um, yeah, I really try to, to, to make myself be that guy for my clients. And I often tell my clients, you know, it, it's easier to ask me what it is that I don't do than to ask me all the things that I can do for you. So, uh, yeah, man, you just got to, especially in this economy and Everyone, everyone is uh, evolving. One thing that I've learned from COVID that I think we all have is that a lot of people have decided to take on entrepreneurship, whether it's more of a full-time way or on that part-time side hustle, just so they can maybe have something else that's their own that they can control, that they know that if things don't work out in this traditional job or my day-to-day job, I have something else that I can fall on or something else that I can get another source of income. And so, you know, in times like this more than ever, uh, you know, it's definitely good to have somebody that can assist you in, you know, all aspects of your life and when it comes to that. So, uh, yeah, man. Nice, nice. So with with that, I know just like you said, one of the main things you do is tax preparation and we're in that season. So what are some of the ways, uh, or some of the simple ways I'll say that people could take advantage of tax savings? Uh, like limiting their tax burden. So, yes, of course, the number one question um, that everyone always asks, you know, so many answers, so many potential things. I'll just focus on some of the main items. And the main items is, you know, that, that I'll focus on is the difference between taking the standard deduction and being able to itemize on your deductions. So everyone knows you get a standard deduction with the IRS on your taxes, that it's always a set amount. It's adjusted for inflation every year. Everyone knows if you itemize, we're gener- it's generally known that you either take the standard or you itemize. If you're able to itemize because your itemized deductions exceed the standard deduction, it enables you to have a, it enables you to reduce your tax liability, possibly even significantly. The three biggest things that allow people to itemize their deductions are going to be charitable donations, which is going to be you know, uh, contributions, gifts to nonprofits, tithing, and giving to church, things like that, as well as donating property and making those property donations to things like Goodwill, Salvation Army, and the like. One thing where people fail to do is they're giving cash to a charity. They fail to get a receipt. And you all always need to remember that, you know, the IRS requires a paper trail in the event that you're audited for those donations. So when you're giving donations, you want to make sure that, you know, there's a paper trail. And if you're giving cash, you want to make sure that there's a receipt. Or I know a lot of churches and religious institutions will give you giving statements at the end of the year that outline all the money that you donated. Uh, we all remember growing up and seeing our parents, you know, in church, not those envelopes. That's <laughs> that's part of it. If that's if you want to be able to take advantage and, you know, help offset your taxable income on your personal taxes. So we cover charitable donations, goodwill donations. When you get those receipts and they ask you if you want one, the answer is always yes. You always want to get those receipts. Um, and, you know, you want to make, you know, a, a, at least three to five trips a year is really good if you can do that. Um, we cover charitable donations. 
The another another way to help get you to itemize deductions is going to be home ownership. So the three biggest ways people are able to itemize when I see them, it's always almost nine times out of 10, they own a home because an itemized deduction includes the amount of real estate taxes that you pay, state and local income taxes that you pay, and personal property ta- and personal property taxes that you pay. Those vary depending upon what state you're in. Now, the IRS caps the amount of taxes that you're allowed to take to $10,000. However, pretty much, I would say almost like, you know, 99% of the time, if somebody's able to itemize on deductions, it's because they have a home, re- they, they're able to maximize uh, that real estate tax deduction, and they're also able to utilize the interest that they pay on their mortgage for their home. Between the combination of charitable donations, interest on your real interest on your mortgage and, and taxes that you pay, those are the three biggest items that enable people to itemize their deductions, which and to have a higher deduction than the standard and therefore have a lower taxable income. Now, not everybody's going to be able to itemize. Not everybody's going to own a home. And depending upon if you live in a state that has a state income tax or not, that's also going to impact things for you. So I also wanted to give a couple of other items that apply to everybody that most people can take uh, advantage of. One is one that's been around forever is the student loan interest deduction. A lot of people's interest was uh, deferred last year in 2021, or they didn't have to pay anything. But a lot of people still were making payments on their student loans. It's always good to remember to submit those when completing your tax when completing your tax filings, because that can give you up to a twenty five hundred dollar below we call it a below the line a a reduction in your taxable income, and so those are always good things to have. And I don't know anybody that doesn't have some form or didn't have some form of student loan debt in their life. So that's something that most people out there can utilize. Another thing to consider is. Roth IRA contribution. A lot of people out there, if you don't, depending upon where your income level is, if your income level is, if you work a type of job where you're not able to have a 401k, and I'm really speaking to more of my uh, my taxpayers out there who might work an hourly wage job as their main source of income, you know, and so they might not have all the benefits of a retirement account that comes with a lot of jobs out there. So when I, I'm really, you know, this can really apply to people like that who are in that position because the IRA contribution, the Roth IRA contribution allows them to uh, donate money to not donate, I'm sorry, contribute money to their IRA all the way up until April 15th of the following year. So for last year, 2021 taxes, which are not due until April 15th, you can contribute to an IRA between all the way up until April 15th and still get credit for it on your 2021 taxes. Now, you know, I won't go down into the rabbit hole and there are, you know, income limits and phase out. And that's why I say for that specific um, deduction, that, that, that retirement contribution deduction, that's specifically why I mentioned my, you know, my taxpayers out there who, you know, main source of income might be that hourly wage in retail or fast food or something like that. And so just, Wanted to make sure that I gave, you know, a tax tip out there or a deduction, something that could apply to everybody. So just to recap, I know I said a lot, but just you've got your itemized deductions. If you can itemize, if you're a homeowner, your goal should be itemizing every year between the interest you pay on your mortgage, 
the real estate taxes you pay on your property, and then making sure that you're diligent in your charitable donations, documenting those, you should be itemizing every year to help reduce that taxable income. Everyone out there who's, ever, you know, most people out there have had some form of student loans. So you want to make sure you get credit if you can for that interest that you pay on your student loans each year. And also the IRA contributions for anyone out there who is eligible and meets that criteria. It's a really great donation. It's a, I'm sorry, I said donation. It's a really great deduction to take advantage of because it's going to enable you to start saving for your retirement and receiving a tax write-off. Okay, there you go. That's, there you go. A lot, of, a lot of information right there. So since we're already talking about IRAs and, um, and 401ks, um, let me ask you this. How do early withdrawals from retirement plans, you know, like we said, 401ks, IRAs, impact my taxes, you know, for someone below the age 59 uh, and a half years old and someone above that age? So um, get that question a lot, especially during these COVID times. Um, so typically, when you pull that money out before that 59 and a half age, you're going to you're going to be taxed on it. One is going to be included in income and then you're going to pay up and then it could be included in your taxable income and there could be an additional 10% penalty on the withdrawal of that amount. Now, there are various exceptions to that amount. For example, one of them is if it's your first time buying a home. The IRS will allow you to pull up to $10,000 out without having to be penalized to if, that, if those funds are going to be used to purchase your first time uh, residence. Uh, okay. Another exception that was carved out specifically just for COVID, um, there was this unique situation that happened with COVID because the IRS knew a lot of people were pulling money out of retirement because they were, you know, they were dealing with unemployment, they were dealing with medical bills. Kids were at home. It was crazy times. So actually, tax year 2020. And so if you haven't taken advantage of this, it might be worth somebody going back to amend, or I know not everybody files their taxes timely. But actually, in tax year 2020, the IRS carved out a one-time exception that said, hey, if you need to pull money out of your IRA and it's related in any way because you were impacted by COVID, which is very broad, if you were impacted by COVID, um, you know, you can pull this money out not only will you not be penalized, we're not even going to tax you on all of it this year. So literally, you could have pulled out. So let's say you pulled out $9,000 in 2020 to help pay the bills because your job slowed up due to COVID. The IRS says, OK, we're not going to penalize you with a 10 percent penalty tax. So that extra $900 tax, that's out of here. Not only that. We're only going to tax you on one third of the money this year, and we'll let and we'll spread that tax out for you over three years to make it easier for you. So basically, the IRS would they let you, you take out nine thousand dollars in twenty twenty. You only pay tax income tax on three thousand dollars in year one, then three thousand dollars in the next year, and then three thousand dollars in the year after that. So essentially, it was just you still pay the regular income tax, but you don't have to pay it all at once and take that bite in the same year. So that's just another exception. Now, that was a unique COVID-only exception that the IRS carved out. So if you didn't take advantage of, advantage of that or if you did not, or if you pulled out retirement income in 2020, it's definitely something worth you going back and evaluating. And then there are also other exceptions 
to the generally to pulling those funds out early. I know there's another one, obviously, for medical expenses. If your medical expenses exceed a certain limit, you can pull that money out of your IRA early to cover them and not have to worry about the penalty. But, you know, in summation, if you're going to pull money out of retirement, I always advise, you know, talk to your tax professional before you do so. And the main reason is just trying to understand and then also have a good reason. Not that you need to justify it, it's your money, but you really want to have a good reason to pull money out of, you know, that's your retirement, one, and then two, you will be taxed on it and possibly penalized. You mentioned purchasing a house. Is it your first house or, you know? First time first home house? buyer. Okay. First time home buyer. Yes, sir. Yeah, they won't They won't just let you do that every year, girls. <laughs> <laughs> all, the, all the real estate investors would do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah my mind, when you said that, you had my mind racing. Like, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, well, stay, staying into the to the Roth, um, I got another question. Thoughts on Roth conversions and when it would be beneficial in the taxable implications? So with the Roth conversion, sometimes called the backdoor IRA, um, for those of you all who, who are familiar with that, the IRS caps, there are certain income level restrictions that, that you have to meet in order to contribute to a personal IRA. I'm not talking about if you have a job and you have a 401k or a retirement plan through your job. I'm, I'm specifically uh, referring to if you go out, uh, outside of your employer and you go to an Edward Jones um, or a Schwab or any, or just a financial advisor, and you establish your own private IRA. Um, there are certain rules and income limits on who can get a traditional and who can get their own Roth and the amounts that you can contribute to it each year. Um, a lot of people, especially individuals with a higher net worth or higher income level, um, they are not eligible to participate in a Roth IRA um, individually, a private Roth IRA, because their income level, level phases them out from being eligible. If they were to contribute to it in that year, they would be taxed or penalized. So what some tax nerds somewhere came up with was, well, you can just contribute your money to a traditional IRA. And then you will, once the money's in that traditional IRA, IRA you will then roll those funds over similar to when you transfer from one job to another job and take your retirement plan with you. You can just roll those funds over and just convert them into a Roth IRA. Um, the biggest impact with doing that is from a tax perspective, when money goes into a traditional IRA, it is pre-tax dollars, which means you put those funds in and you get a tax deduction for contributing to it. When money goes into a Roth IRA, those funds are post-tax dollars, which means you've already paid income tax on those dollars and you're not going to get a deduction when you contribute to it. The difference in the two of them is, when, is also when you pull that money out 20, 30, 40 years in the future. When you take those funds out of that traditional IRA, you will be taxed on the gain, the difference between what you put in and, what you, and the profit that you made when you pull it out. You will pay tax on that. Whereas with the Roth, when you pull that money out down the line, it's going to be tax-free. So as you see, because of that, pulling it out down the line tax-free, that's why a high net worth individual or someone or anyone might consider, well, hey, I'd rather roll over my current traditional IRA 
and be taxed on it because you will be taxed on it because you got to remember when you put the money in, tra- in the tra- traditional IRA, it was tax-free. It was pre-tax. Now you're putting it into an after-tax IRA account. So when you do that conversion, you're technically, you, you are technically triggering a taxable event because you have to convert those dollars into post-tax dollars. So you technically, you, are, you will be taxed on those funds that you roll over. And it could be a big tax hit today. However, when you look at it 30, 40 years down the future and all the rest of the money that you're going to put in there as that interest compounds and grows over time, the amount of money that you're able to pull out down the line and pull it out tax-free is there's a good chance that it can exceed the amount of taxes that you have to take in year one today in 2022 versus all the money that you're going to pull out in 30 years from now in 2052. And so in a roundabout way, conversions are good if they work for you and everybody's tax situation is different. So if it works for your tax situation, um, a conversion can definitely be a really great tool for you to use on a continual basis. And a lot of people, you know, they do those type of backdoor conversions, backdoor contributions to a Roth IRA almost on an annual basis. They just take the tax hit and do it because they know down the line that the amount of income they pull out, they rather pay pay that tax a day because it's going to be less than the amount of tax they would have to pay if they left it in a traditional IRA and pay the tax on the gains 30 years down the line. Um, so once again, for something like that, it that's a conversation that if you're considering doing things like that, that means you probably have a financial advisor and you're somewhat tax savvy. But with situations like that, it's always good to, you know, before you do those things, to always talk with your financial advisor and, of course, your, uh, your, your tax professional as well. As a lot of people grow and their income, most people's income usually increases over time and throughout their life. So as that happens and people start to, you know, get financial advisors and start to obtain tax professionals as things start to get more and more complex, it's always a good idea. And I've seen that and, and been on those calls plenty of times where you want your tax guy or your tax person and your finance person to, you know, for, to always kind of be succinct or be on the same page and know what's going on. So at the end of the day, you, the taxpayer, you know, doesn't have a surprise tax bill at the end of the year that you weren't ready for. Pretty good advice to sync up all those people. I would have would have never thought about that. Like all on the call having to sync up. I would have been trying to feed one person information and try to go to the next. <laughs> that's true. I've, I've never thought about that. That's very true. I, that's a very good thing to think about. All right, all right. Great episode. We gotta thank Bradford for that. So much information he shared with us. This is part one of a two-part interview with Bradford Seed Moy of Bradford C. Moy, PLLC. He can be reached at his email at brad at bcmfirm.com. His email is bcmfinancial.com. His Instagram is bcmfirm.com. Be on the lookout for part two in two weeks. Thank you. Bye.